Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Well, my next guest is widely renowned as one of the most successful gamblers, successful punters on the sport of thoroughbred horse racing in the world. In 2009, he published a book called Enemy Number no. One, in which he chronicled how he made his way to £10 million over an eight-year period. He also chronicled some extremely dark and difficult periods in his life, which saw him blackmailed and threatened uh, by some pretty unsavoury characters. He emerged from that. The book was a, ra uh, a raging success, subsequent to which we've not seen much of him because he's gone back uh, to punting and punting very successfully. Uh, the last year, however, has been one of significant trial, quite literally, and real tribulation from which he has now emerged. I'm very happy to say my next guest here on Luck on Sunday is Patrick Veach. Patrick, good morning and thank you for joining me. Morning. I say it's been a, a very difficult year. That, that is a, an understatement for you. Just, just talk us through exactly w what happened to you. Yeah, well, it was two years in total that... Uh it was back in August 2016, and I was uh, driving, and another driver, uh, driving a truck with a trailer, chose to reverse on the f in the fast lane of a dual carriageway on a bend. That led to an accident, and I came round the corner and there was another accident, and tragically that led to a young boy dying. And that's obviously been sort of unimaginably painful in itself. Um, but it took two years um, to resolve, and at the end of two years, <clears throat> five experts had all independently um, formed their conclusions and signed a report that the, the accident was inevitable and unavoidable. Um, but unfortunately, it took two years to go there, so whilst trying to deal with the trauma of the accident mm. and the, you know, the horrors of what I saw that day, that was sort of loaded on top. Um, so that essentially the, the Crown Prosecution Service advised the police they could bring a, get a case against you for causing death to a child by dangerous driving. Yeah, so there was a, one investigator who subsequently was one of, one of the five and initially produced a report um, with, a, with a different view. But subsequently, um, fair play to him, owned up to um, two massive mistakes in that report, um, one of which, and, you know, is this... I, I do believe it's what happened, um, but um, he measured the available distance for me to see, um, wrote it down, and then when he transferred to his notes for the report, added 100 metres by mistake. And that was just a pure error? A pure error, and that's, that's on his account, and, and that combined with another mistake meant that um, you know, what was concluded by probably the top you know, international expert, uh, that, that my response time had, had been you know, above averagely fast, um, because of those errors, was, was viewed incorrectly. Um, so, uh, yeah, it took two years to resolve. Could you work during that period? Could you, could you do anything? Yeah, I, I, I had to. Um, yeah, I remember my father said sort of 24 hours later, you just need to bury yourself in it because otherwise you'll, you'll go mad. So uh, I had to carry on. And could you carry on effectively, successfully? Um, well, I, I didn't lose my focus. Um, I'm... I'm um, uh, I, I'm, I'm somewhat reluctant talking about levels of success. I, I feel that when I wrote the book, which, by the way, I'm, I'm not recommending buying now, it's many years out of date, um, back then was a time when I was very pleased with what happened and was probably a little, at the time, too boastful. And so uh, I'm, I'm, these days I tend to be very um, cautious about going into those details. But, but I certainly didn't lose my focus over the period, yeah. When I, when I said in my introduction that the book chronicled that you'd made like, £10 million in, in eight years or whatever it said on the inside of the dust cover, do, were you cringing slightly inside? 
it's it's something that I would do differently do differently now um, and it shows I suppose the journey of, of, of you know that what happened to me was so devastating in 98 um, that I you know I, I it, for me it was all about how I came back from that yeah just just remind anyone who doesn't know what happened to you in, in 19 this is where you were blackmailed and threatened yeah so I was you know minding my own business at um, you know eight o'clock on a summer evening uh, a knock on the door and um, the person concerned had sent me a business plan uh, through somebody, uh, sort of an acquaintance, and, uh, you know, asking me to invest in a scheme that was clearly not credible um, for uh, bars, restaurants, this, that, and the other. And um, subsequently he came around with an an accomplice and uh, said that, uh, you know, because I hadn't given him the business plan back, which he hadn't asked for, and it was about four pages long, um, he'd lost a big deal and and threatened me that I had to pay him a large amount of money, otherwise they'd come back the following day and um, so subsequently I you know felt I had to go to the police stand up to it and did um, but then I had to disappear and um, you know uh, it was a, a long period waiting for that to, to resolve itself. And how did it resolve itself? Well there was an initial conviction on the case um, involving me after um, sort of uh, three months um, but then the person concerned was eventually uh, six years later, seven years later, convicted of um, attempted murder of a policeman and so was then sent for a, a long prison sentence. And so that, in a sense, was something of a release, which is why you, you wrote the book. Yes. It was, a, it was very enjoyable, I think, for people because, for all, people might have envied the success you had. There was a certain level to which everybody aspired to be a, a good and smart and clinical punter, but also one who could... Uh, use the game and use the system to get a little advantage, to get an edge that other people didn't have. And I think people quite quite warmed to to that for a little while. I think there was a, I probably got quite a generous press from uh, you know from from some readers who, yeah. so long as you were you know winning money off the bookmakers, then you were you know then then that was fine. I say I would I would do it differently now, but uh, yeah, there certainly people enjoyed that. I think. So how would you do it now? I suppose I would. Uh, feel I could cover it and lay it on a little less thick. Um, I, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it doesn't read now very modestly. Um, do you think that your experience in the last couple of years has, has, has changed the way you think about life significantly? Um, I suppose it's, it's in some ways made me more cautious and, and that sort of thing. Uh, the, the, perhaps the, the, the view on the book was a developing thing, um, but uh, certainly it's, it's made me, you know, cautious and and you know I, I th- there was a period in which until it was resolved I didn't really want to be seen places and that sort of thing you know sort of people could misinterpret me as having a good time if they briefly saw a f- smile on my face or something like that so it was it's quite even looking for but what I'm trying to say is that have you got a little more perspective are you a little less driven that you have a sort of broader yes. view of life yes and I think that was gradually happening anyway um, but yeah that probably may have accelerated it yeah do you see more daylight than you used to see? Um, I see a lot more. Um, I, I, I aim to get out in the sunshine now. I, I have quite strong views about this now that uh, you know, dermatologists tell us to avoid the sun and this, that and the other. When they go on, it's, it's, uh, the use of statistics in, in life and in health matters is very dubious in places because it's all right saying that people who get some sunshine um, end up with more um, skin cancer a little, although regular users 
not much at all. Um, but what you're interested in is, is overall mortality. Mm. And, and the, the figures are showing that those people are hide away from the sun. They may, they may, if you completely hide from the sun, you won't get skin cancer, but you'll probably die of something else sooner. Now, there'll be people watching at home who are sitting there itching, edge of their seat, thinking, just asking how he makes all his money. How does he do it? What's the secret to being a punter? How does he get on? How does he get a bet on? We can't get a bet on. How does Patrick Reed still get a bet on and make any money? Well, that bit's become trickier. There's no doubt, you know, we've had to be um, accepting of how that's changed. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, had to, I've had to just accept changes there and, uh, you know, the amounts are smaller. And hopefully become wiser and be able to find more opportunities. Um, so you have, to, you have to stake smaller? Stake Use smaller. more agents? Uh, agents, you know, perhaps less so, just, just, just a general flexibility and a willingness to be more against the tide. That if you, you know, there were horses that you could find 10, 15 years ago that would have, you know, um, an enormous chance, but be very obvious. And those, you know, are either they've collapsed the night before or they're collapsing, you know, sort of at, uh, at 9.45 in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's looking for that horse that other people don't like it, and I think they're wrong. And there, the, you know, the, the amounts of money are generally better. But in terms of a secret, one of the things there is, is just needing to be very fast. Um, just needing to, to cover the ground, you know, that, that people don't cover the ground fast enough. Um, they spend... go, go on, explain that. It's those phone calls and the, uh, the messages and the typing of messages. It's the, you know, did you see that? That was impressive. What was he doing on that? All that type of thing. Uh, and it's uh, fine if it's just social or if you've finished your working day, but the, to have an edge in this tricky time where, where you know, the market's got harder for getting bets on, you really need to cover some ground. And there's one thing I'd say is that, you know, I, I talk about perhaps in a, uh, there's a, a level one decision, which is I think this horse will be really well suited by the distance. But if that's what everybody else thinks, there's no edge there at all. Mm. Level two is finding something that's, that's not appreciated so that, you know, uh, that, you're, that, that you think something's positive and it's underrated. But then to find a really good bet, you need to have two or three of those. You need a multiplicity of edges. Because if you find just one thing, it might be with more work, you'd have found two reasons not to like it. And so it's, you know, if there's one thing I'd say is it's, 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 it's getting the process right, getting faster, getting through the work and, and getting enough done. How, how do you not get bored with horse racing? Given how much you have to watch in yeah. order now to get an edge, you must have to watch way more horse races now than you did 20 years ago. I'm probably much more willing to be selective, take time away, and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, it, it is a regret to me that they've gone so wild as a fixtures list. And um, so I suppose just being willing to take time away and just be accepting, you know, there's, 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 it's, it's still overall a very enjoyable thing to do. People talk about gambling addiction always in negative sense because people who have a clinical problem with yes. gambling lose an awful lot of money yes. and often their livelihood yes are you a gambling addict no i, I love a day when there's you know, when i mean I, I aim to find things but then on a day when i can't find something i, I love it I, that's you know or, or a day when it's all over quickly or and to be honest you know thursday and friday saturday were very handy for catching up with things you know sort of uh, the winter's a lot less for me anyway i'm not really into the jumps but um um yeah, I, I have no difficulty uh, in, in taking time away. There will be people saying, well, it's all right for Patrick Veach. You know, he's, he's done quite well, and then he was involved in a lot of horses in lots of different stables, so he was receiving an inordinate amount of privileged inside information, and from his kind of Bond villain-style lair, he was able <laughs> to move all the pieces around the chessboard and yeah. control this, that, and the other, and therefore the money just came rolling in. 
any truth in that kind of portrayal of you or not? Yeah, at the time, the, the percentage of profits that came from my own judgment was probably 70% plus. Um, Still not bad. Uh, yes. So, so, yes, there was money made from um, sometimes, you know, knowing that a horse of mine was very well fancied and sometimes other ones. Um, but um, when you took out the costs, you know, of, of buying horses and that sort of thing, um, net, um, the proceeds really came from my own judgment. And over time, you know, I haven't laid a horse out with the idea of, you know, uh, having a touch maybe for eight or nine years because you just can't back them to enough money anymore. Uh, and so over time, that percentage, that's, these days, it's just down to pretty much my own judgment. Um, that, uh, you know, and it's just easier. You're not beholden to thinking, oh, I've you know, had a whisper for this. Or, and you're not, if, if, you know, back in the days of exponential, you're obsessively watching the market, hoping nobody jumps in. <laughs> when you've picked it yourself, you don't care. You know, if, 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 you, if the price goes, the price goes. But just the mention of exponential is just a, my ear, the entire <laughs> gallery is just purred with delight <laughs> at, the, uh, at the memory of exponential being back from 100 to 1 into... Eight to one, was it? Yeah. 100 to one into eight to one, Nottingham made, and I think it was 2004? Yes. And you won about half a million quid. That was a total one. Uh, my share was less than that. And, of course, the reason there's a purr in my ear is because, of course, as soon as everyone saw it tumbling, tumbling, they just managed to get a few quid yeah. on in time before it. Um, the, one of the benefits there is that people were obsessed, and probably still are, by taking their profit. And yeah. this, is the, this was that rare occasion where, you know, we, we would have been almost surprised by defeat once in a lifetime for, for that price. And... Um, so when people were hedging back because they nicked a bit of 33s and wanted to lay the 8s, oh. you know, they, were, they were accommodated. And I, I've said that if, if there'd been a, a couple of minutes delay, that would have been very handy. So it was lovely for you because every time that people were greening up, you were just piling in and saying, thank you very much, we'll have a bit of that. Yeah, but we ran out of time. <laughs> you can't, you're so greedy, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, it's, uh, you know, that's, you know you, you've got to take the opportunities when they're there. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know... Um, plenty of time you have to stand back and just accept that there's, you know. I suppose part of the key to success then is having done something like that, having had a big win, that you just maintain your focus, you don't go yeah. completely berserk and, and sort of wallow in your own self-love for however long. Yeah, I mean it was actually the, I think the day before the Ebor meeting mm. um, and um, so, uh, you know there was just plenty to get on with um, and, uh, you know, I had a few phone calls asking about it and that sort of thing and just played it down. So you say you can still play the game, you have to play the game in a slightly different way. Very different, yeah. Very different way, and you've kind of articulated how you do that. How, how do you view the sport's integrity now as a punter? Um, <clears throat> I think it's, um, I, I think it's, it's solid enough, um, but I do feel we lose customers in one way, and it's something I've, I've tried for many years to to, to sort of rattle a few cages on that uh, we have the rule about a non-trier uh -huh. and there's a way of enforcing that it could perhaps be enforced a bit more often and then we have dropping the hands and the horse gets overtaken but what there is a third category that I think loses as customers and that is the horse who has tried has had a go to win and now first place is out of reach and the effort for second or third is token and such a horse so long as they keep riding to some extent it never comes up under the dropping hands, but technically should be under the taking all reasonable permissible measures to obtain best possible placing. But that, in my experience, is not enforced where the effort has been, the effort has been consistent but fairly token. And what I would say to the people who think that's not important is that <clears throat> if you had to construct a way to convince 
and not very committed racing punter that next week he should bet an Arsenal against Chelsea, then repeatedly have a situation where when he's had a fiver each way, in those closing seconds, he cares more than the person riding it, whether it finishes third or not, and make that obvious to him. Um, the moment the rules all come under a heading of horses not running on their merits or horses running on their merits. And Training this is, to achieve the best possible position. Yeah, but the heading is horses running on their merits. Now, this is not uh, about that. It's a horse that did try, um, but simply people weren't bothered enough about place. And I've made the suggestion that they move a smaller, a lower level offence that's not under the heading of horses running on their merits. So there's not this stigma of you're calling me a non-try, you're calling me a cheat. It's almost the inverse of sort of a, a whip offence of trying too hard, of saying, no, we're not saying that for a moment, but we're saying here that for the, you know, the, the good of the sport, you know, a little bit more effort has to be made for a place. Let me drill down. Cambridge, you yeah. were a Cambridge student and you were making money betting in 19... Was it late 89, 89, 90? 89, 90. Yep. And the, uh, Katie Derham was one of your... Uh, yes, used to answer the phone for me uh, in, in, in my little office, in, the, in, in, my, in my room, in my college room. If you were at Cambridge now in 2018, similar setup there, room, telephone, well, wouldn't be telephone probably now, but yeah. a bevy of uh, fellow students working for you, d w would you still be as attracted to making money out of horse racing as you were then? Could you, could you look at the sport now, and given what you've just described, have affected such a successful mini-enterprise before it became a maxi-enterprise? If I started now, I'd probably go into the football markets because they're more, look, more liquid. Um, at the time, there was big restrictions on football betting, so horse racing was where the where the liquidity was. Um, but apart from that, yeah, you know, sort of. I mean, the, these are minor tweaks, and I think sometimes we give the BHA a very hard time for yeah. things that they can't always predict. I have made that suggestion so far to Nick Coward, Steve Harmon, Paul Bitar in person, Jamie Steer by email. And Nick Russ, but that was only a few weeks ago, so there's still time. And they've got quite a lot in their interest. Of course, at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and genuinely, how will that affect you if we have a, a week, two weeks, three weeks more off games? Um, probably a good thing just to have time to prepare because it's it's um, you know you feel that when it's going on you have to keep up with it. So uh, you know I, I'm I would prefer it didn't happen because you know I'd like to see the sports finances go well i like things to be easy for the horsemen um but um but yeah so it, i'm not the biggest problem there when you did the book and i know you don't want to talk about it too much but when you did this 10 years ago you did take a, a bit of time out from yes. hunting, didn't you yeah so i basically took the year off uh, when i wrote it which i think was 2008 and uh, that was partly because in order to tell the stories i then had to change everything up um because you know if, if there weren't going to be big changes that would make me too easy to sort of track mm. I, i'm People have always assumed that you are, by nature, a very secretive figure who kind of enjoys subterfuge. Is that actually the case? No, not really. I've, I've found that sort of thing a, a bit of a, a bit of a hassle. Um, I often uh, the, um, the there is there is a I have a saying here that sort of um, that one of the problems is that human beings are not very good at this. I'm going to adapt a quote from Matt Hooper and Jaws and say that the human being is the, the perfect leaking machine, um, that they're born to leak information, that, that when, even when you take a human being and align their interests mm. with keeping something quiet, that only increases their desire. their desire to tell someone. And when that bears fruit, it increases it again. And this is totally unlike the rest of the animal kingdom, where when something um, is... You know, uh, is, is if, you, if an animal finds food, it doesn't necessarily broadcast it everywhere. Um, so, uh, you know, in my experience, the best it is a case of, of, of 
if you can avoid exposing people to those things, so much the better. Um, and I'm not advocating being selfish. You know, if people are fortunate with their bets, be it occasionally or regularly, they should aim to be, you know, generous and charitable with it. But it's, it's, but it's very tough to not get tripped up occasionally if you're hoping to do something quietly. But it's more the kind of aura that, that went around you. Um, I mean, you, you were sort of this, this infamous character, and you know, people had heard of Patrick Veach, but they'd never seen him. Yeah. And they didn't know what he was like. They didn't actually realise he was a, a flesh-and-blood human being. This was just this sort of thing called Patrick Veach. And, and I, remember, I remember being at York, and you, you came onto the race course, and mm. people were... Features, features here. Features here. Imagining, ima- imagining this sort of ex- this sort of superpower. And every conversation I had, they, they, they wouldn't. They found it very difficult to believe that if I was there, I wasn't talking about potential bets at every moment. Mm. And, and anybody I was talking to it was clearly about it because that was entirely how they saw me. Is they not really as a human being, just as a, a you know a lander of bets. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Was that weird? Um, I suppose you got used to it. You know that sort of um, um, you know in the sort of. Uh, and then it was sort of oh that was obviously you that backed that and all that type of stuff. It, it just you just got used to it, I suppose. Yeah. Can you ever envisage a post punting existence? Um, not now. Um, I suppose I could gradually see myself doing slightly less. Um, but um, I suppose over time, there's you know there's other attractions outside of racing. You know, I think all my ambitions from number two downwards are pretty much in racing in one sense or another. Um, uh, the you know, but there's things like you know owning and bloodstock and that sort of thing that might be not much on a not just on a punting basis, but in just general ways might mm. be enjoyable in the future. Just something to challenge yourself that's outside what, how you've challenged yourself so far. Yeah, indeed, and just just mixing it up a bit. Yeah. What do you what do you, exactly is it that you still enjoy about it? Is it the money? No, well, you've made enough of that. Yeah, um, I, I suppose it's just the challenge. I, th- I think I'm somebody that does need to be challenged. And, and so, and, you, and because it's got more difficult, you know, then it's my job. If I have a research period, I've got to find something new, some new edge. And you know, it's one thing to have. There's obviously lots of discussion these days, be it in the press or Twitter or that sort of thing. But it's one thing to have things that everybody else is talking about. But ideally, you want to be finding an edge that everybody else isn't talking about, or do something that they are talking about differently. You've obviously always been someone with a degree of mental toughness. Otherwise, you couldn't have done what you did at such a young age, you couldn't have withstood what happened to you in, in 98 and then gone to the police with it, and you certainly couldn't have withstood what happened to you over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, do you feel quite at peace with yourself now? Well, you know, on that latest, uh, on, the, on, the, on the car accident, I'm not totally better yet. I mean, I'm mostly better. I'm, 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 I'm getting better. But, you know, it's day-to-day I'm fine. Um, but, you know, sometimes four in the morning that sort of thing you wake up and you're still there I mean did you did you doubt yourself during that period did you doubt your own level of culpability not really I think the situation became you know clear very quickly um, um, but that didn't make it any better it's still tragic and it's still worse for others than me you know it's far worse for the victim's family so so the fact that it was clearly established that it wasn't you know it wasn't my fault doesn't make it any less of a horrendous situation the, co- the consequences are the same you know, and that's been just very, very hard. And you actually I- experienced it per se. So the terror of actually being involved in it, yes, in and of itself, is yeah. hard enough to to deal with. Yeah, and you know, that's 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 been very tough. And there's, as I say, different times of day or night when that that gets tougher. But the work and the family life helping you. Yes. Yeah, and and just you know keeping busy. And, and for the first period, I was. 
you know, um, I was obsessively keeping busy. I, you know, I, was, uh, I don't bother with the Fitbit anymore, I sort of know, but, uh, you know, I upped my number of steps to 24,000 a day, which is... That's a lot. Yeah, well, it's probably an hour's worth for Susanna, so uh, that's, uh, you know, compared to seven marathons, it's not much, but it, but it definitely was a case of just, if I was hurtling around the place, I was less likely to, to uh, you know, to stop, and that made it easier. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.